Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you. And I want to share something that has been stirring in my heart in these last days. And the, the first text is in John chapter 15 and in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Okay, and then when he prays, and he's praying for us in chapter 17, and in verse 13 of that prayer, he says, But now I come to you, Father, And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Those two texts are, um, what can I say, they are so vast, or could I say also they're so dense in, in that to get into them, you're you're banging into ideas and concepts and words that that need uh, to to stop and say, what is this saying? This is at the end of the physical life and ministry of Jesus. Within a few hours of saying that, he is going to be betrayed and suffer and be crucified. And so this is sort of the finale and then looking on to the future as the Holy Spirit will come. And he says that these things I've spoken, and in chapter 17, spoken not only in that upper room, but spoken to the world, in order that his joy, the joy of Jesus, might be fulfilled in us. I say again, that is an amazing text. He's unveiling, I say it again, this is at the end, this is moving to the goal. Um, In chapter 13, at the beginning of uh, these chapters here, he he says that the Father has delivered all things into his hands. Um, This is it. And he's summing things up. This is the terminus, this is the goal. And among everything else he says here, it stands out, and he says it here, He says it actually another time, but I haven't quoted, um, what is it, chapter 16, verse 22. Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. And so here it stands, at the, the finale of his ministry here among us, He says that he has come that he might give to us his joy. Hear the words, his joy. And 
He does that in order that our joy might be full or fulfilled, come to to its conclusion. Um, and, And so around these words concerning joy, he is telling us that he is come to bring us into union with himself to the extent that the words he uses is that I will be in you and you will be in me. And then again he says, he, Jesus, and the Father and the Holy Spirit will come and make their abode, their dwelling within us. And that we, therefore, the Christian life, is participating in the life of Jesus right now through the Holy Spirit. And that is what he's been talking about. And that, he said, is his joy and his joy made full in us. Now, you might notice, although religion has done a pretty good job of hiding it, but you might notice that throughout the entire scripture, joy or the other word rejoice, which means joy on top of joy on top of joy, which uh, gets into our hands and our feet and so on. Um, But joy, rejoice, gladness of heart, they are words that define and are the mark of the covenant people. Now, did, did you hear what I said there? Because that's not often talked about joy is the mark joy is that stamp upon the covenant people you know you found the covenant people because of the exuberance of their joy that they are not only making known toward God the Father through the Son in the strength and power of the Spirit but it's a joy that permeates their life it's made full. It overspills. You can't get any more there. Fills their life. And so, um, joy, as I said, exuberance, rejoicing, and it involves not only my innermost spirit, not only my deepest core emotions and mind, but as I've said, it gets into our bodies. And you can't avoid the fact that the Bible speaks of worship in terms of raising of hands and raising of voice and song and delight. It even used the word shouting, um, a song of victory joy uh, but but it, it's uh, it's such a mark that in Deuteronomy 28:47 I give you that because some might wonder if it's really there but it says that they went into their captivity Israel became a captive people for 70 years because they ceased in their rejoicing and being glad before God. Now that's a statement, isn't it? They, they, they stopped their rejoicing. They they lost their song and it resulted in, in the whole nation falling apart, being shredded and they're, they're taken off as captives to Babylon. Um, 
actually in Romans chapter 1 it says that the first expression of sin was they stopped being thankful which although it's not exactly joy it's it's a subset of joy and so joy what can I say this is this is getting uh, hard to put into words that that joy is the what it's the sound of wholeness it's the sound of the health of people the health of their spirit but also the health of their mind and their emotions and even their body um, health and it's the glue that holds societies together and take that away and the whole society has a diseased culture it falls apart and is no more joy is the symptom of a functional relationship that actually has a force behind it that it repelled the enemies of Israel take away the joy and their enemies had a field day joy I, I could put it is a magnet to blessing and to favor even though they're really in the same camp but when I see a person of joy then there is a magnetism toward the blessing of God so you see loss of joy then becomes a symptom of a person who has forgotten their covenant relationship with God and everything falls apart quite a thought I could stop there for the night couldn't I but what is joy now you see you've got to really think here because we've been very sloppy with language and um, we, we've never really done much about this um, what is joy you see let's say it right away joy is not happiness yeah you heard me right joy is in another realm it's not even second cousin to happiness happiness has nothing to do with joy huh. can, can I go even further that happiness is the flesh the senses of mortal man being stimulated and responding to outer events and persons and those outer events and persons I, I believe in the way I look at life that they are good and because they are good I have the stimulus of happiness you, you might have noticed um, then, then if that be the case if happiness is my human response to that which I perceive as good then uh, where might that have originated except at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when uh, mankind uh, determined that he would be as God and make up his own mind about good and evil and about the meaning and purpose and goal of life and once he did that he lost he lost that that rising joy which came from God 
and and was left now with his own mind and his own uh, nerve endings that would give him something that he coined the word happiness from which it comes from the word happen or hap or happenstance it, it means that i feel this way because of what is happening and what is happening i i i, I call it good not everyone would, but I call it good, and never it makes me happy, you see. Um, which, of course, means, right there, what, what a statement. It, it means that I am controlled by events. I'm actually living under the tyranny of other people. You see, you get people, don't you? You say, uh, the people say, you make me angry. Or, or they, they say this situation, whatever it is, makes me anxious. See how easily I said that? Did, did you hear what I said? Make. It says, you, a person, a person out there, external to me, you can make me angry. So you mean that other person controls your emotions, has the key to your heart, and can determine whether you feel good or bad. Mm, quite a thought. And, and, and then, you see, that this situation, these haps, these happenstances out there, the, these things that are happening uh, make me anxious. Again, external to you. And yet, you, you are saying that they have the key to your heart, they have the key to mind and emotion, and they can control you. Sounds very much that this all began in the Garden of Eden at the fall of man. Um, and of course, if that which I perceive to be good doesn't happen, you know, somebody gets in the way and they do their thing and it doesn't happen. Or they, they get ahead of me and they get that thing that I call good. Well, then I feel frustrated, you see. I've suddenly lost my happiness. I'm now in this dismal state that the word is unhappy. I wish all the haps would unhap. And, and, and I'm frustrated. And I look at the person that made this not happen. And then I, I become angry with them, very, very angry. If they stole it away, they took it when it was in grasp of my hand, then I become envious of them, as well as angry and, and bitter. And inside I become sad, and I know despair. Sometimes I have downright depression. And I look at those persons that have all made this bad stuff happen. I resent them. And it can get as far as revenge, and I want to destroy them. It's amazing that sometimes 40 years after such an event, you're still feeling unhappy about it. You understand me? Joy has nothing to do with that. Actually, there's no such word as unjoy. You can't, you see. Joy is. There's no unjoy. Joy has nothing to do with external events. Joy has nothing to do with what I perceive as good or evil. Now, do you understand when I would say that when Jesus 
Jesus in my life means I have been saved from happiness. <laughs> and of course unhappiness. I've been taken to an absolutely new and supernatural dimension that has nothing to do with happy or happiness. It's, it's to do with God himself. I've come into a supernatural dimension that is characterized by this word, joy. Now, I have to ask then, where does joy originate? What is this? What is this that they talk about? This pleasurable feeling that causes a person to even dance and clap their hands and, and, and be... Uh, wild in their expressions of this joy. Whence comes it? What is it? It's, it's obviously something that was there other than the fall before Satan introduced this good and evil stuff and said that we could be as gods. Joy originates in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please hear me. And this, this could be enough to set you spinning for a few hours. Joy originates in God. Joy is that which is the byproduct, if I could ever use such a word, of agape, God love. And you know that God love is that self-giving love. So the Father gives himself in total into the Son. The Son gives himself to the Father, the Spirit to the Son and the Father and so on. This self-giving, this self-giving to such an extent that it is called that Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in him. So that they are utterly one without displacing the other, given to each other. That, that's saying it very quickly, but you realize that in the middle of that, in that giving of self, there is joy. So the Father delights in the Son. When he spoke from the heavens, he said, this is my beloved son, in whom I well pleased. Or another one is, uh, in whom my soul delights. <laughs> this, again, you see, happiness is all to do with self-love. That It makes me feel good. Uh, joy is to do with self-giving. It's the, the delight of the self-giving God love in his own plans, his own purposes, which includes you, of course. So joy is, is that which is in the very heart, in the very act of self-giving love. And so you get innumerable scriptures that tell us that it is God himself who is the author and the beginning of all joy. I mean, just I'll throw a few out. In 1 Chronicles 16, 
27 in, in describing the majesty and the glory of God it, it says that uh, strength and joy are in his place which is um, it's a translation of a Hebrew word which means where he stands where he stands up to make himself manifest and so in the immediate presence of God where he stands his place is strength and joy you cannot be in the presence of God without being overwhelmed by joy for that is his place his place Psalm 16 says in your presence is fullness of joy pleasures for evermore in fact when the ancient high priest blessed Israel back in numbers in chapter 6 you remember it speaks of the radiant light the smile of his countenance the blessing includes an image of a delighting God he lifts up the light of his countenance upon us I mean, that, that's poetic, I know, it's very Hebrew, but it, it, it's saying when he looks at you, his face lights up. We use the same expression. His face lights up. He's delighted. Ever thought of a laughing God? Ever thought of a God that, that is beside himself with joy when he looks at you? That, that, that's what it's saying. Of course, we all know uh, the scripture, but have you thought about it where it says the joy of the Lord is our strength? Did you, did you hear me? The joy of the Lord, or the joy that uniquely belongs to the Lord, is our strength. Isaiah 35, verse 10, but also in chapter 51, verse 11, he, he speaks of those who would come to Zion, which is an Old Testament um, phrase uh, that describes the presence of God in the midst of the city. And it says, those who come to Zion, come to the presence of God. They come with joy and with gladness. And it says, everlasting joy is upon their head. And everlasting takes us out of time and space meaning that nothing that happens in time or nothing that happens in space can affect this joy it's an everlasting joy and interestingly upon their heads wearing like a hat or a turban it means that the very mind center that where I process life is caught up in this joy that is uniquely God's maybe the best of them all is Zephaniah 3.17 where it says that he rejoices over you with joy he sings his lullabies of love over you as he delights in you ever thought about that and when Jesus who is God among us expounded on God think of that God tells us what God is really up to what he's like in Luke 15 over and over it says when he, he describes God under the image of a woman finding a lost coin a shepherd finding a sheep and a father welcoming and restoring his son 
And in each case, it is rejoice with me. That is, notice that rejoice with me. That is the, this fountain uh, of joy begins in God over the success of his plan in finding you. And then he includes us into his rejoicing. Rejoice with me. Hmm. And of course, as you move into the New Testament, it goes even to a higher level. Because now the Holy Spirit, who you could say, is the person of celebrating joy within the Trinity, wherein the Father and the Son rejoice. The Holy Spirit has now come to live inside of us. And so it, it speaks in 1 Thessalonians 1 of the joy of the Holy Spirit in us. Or Romans fourteen seventeen says the kingdom of God is righteousness, which means walking in covenant love with. It's, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In Philippians, Paul was writing that from jail, not knowing whether he would be beheaded by the Caesar. And yet all through that epistle, he says, rejoice, rejoice. And again I say, rejoice. Where, where's that coming from? Where, where, and talking of Paul when he was with Silas in the Philippian jail. You remember? And they had been beaten and put in the stocks for the name of Jesus. And their response was to make such a racket of joy and rejoicing that they were heard way outside of the jail. And of course, the result of that was that the walls of the jail caved in. I could keep going. I, it's just a sampling. Um, in fact, last week, I think it was, we, we looked at, at the goodness of God. And we saw that one aspect of the goodness of God was joy and pleasure and delight. This is who God is. And therefore, creation was an act of love. Creation is the first act of God's grace because he didn't have to create which is another whole <clears throat> subject that he wasn't lonely for he had everlasting uh, communion and fellowship within himself of the Father with the Son with the Spirit so he didn't have to create but he created as an act of love love for us that he would bring us to participate with him in his love and joy with his joy. But in that act of creation, the scripture says that the angels sang for joy at, at, at creation. So creation w was not some, what, you know, the voice of Charleston Heston echoing through the empty universe, let there be light. No, it, it says it was more more like a, a dance. There, there, there were singing and shouting angels as the vast reaches of creation came into being. And, and so, have you noticed in the Psalms, it, it takes in all of creation and calls upon all of creation to joy and rejoice in God. 
which they can only do with our help we are the ones that pick up their sounds and offer them to God in worship but I find it interesting he calls in the Psalms upon the sunset have you read that he calls upon the, the sunset he calls on the waves of the seas and the rivers calls upon the leaves of the trees to clap their hands and rejoice in God he calls upon inanimate things to sing and rejoice so well, that's just poetry no actually um, that they've uh, science has finally caught up with such things and they ha have actually recorded the sound of song that is in the rocks and all of creation huh and then at the peak of creation is the human us and notice when we were created in Adam Genesis 1.26 it says we were made in his image image uh, and if I'm going to image God it can't be like in a mirror a flat dead thing no I would image God because he unites with me and now I see all of life through him who is my life and if he dwells within me then love himself dwells within me and if love himself dwells within me then joy dwells within me this was the original us this was the blueprint that we were made from it's it's fascinating to go through the psalms again and see how they handled it psalm 34 it, it it says that they they that's us believers looked to him and were radiant it, it means that they the way they looked at life was to look at life through him they were that was their focus and as they focused on him his love his presence with them in this very moment then their faces were radiant joy through every pore of their skin dancing in their eyes it's the way it is so we were never intended to look at ourselves by ourselves if, if I look at myself as an independent human looking at myself because there's no such thing but Satan has deceived the world to be able to do that or you, you come up with despair I mean it can be as bad as depression it can be self-hatred if you, if you just look at yourself but if I look at me through his eyes of love and joy that's an entirely different thing I realize who I truly am in the eyes of my creator if I look at my life just there it is then that can be despair unhappy but if I look at life from within him who lives in me and is my life if I can think with his thoughts if I can look with his attitude of his self-giving love 
to me, to my world, and to know his joy, then uh, I'm strong for anything. I can handle anything. I knew who I am. And I know that the creator and owner of all things is not only my father, he is my father who has united with me. You see. Hmm. Joy originates in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And joy then flows from God into us. It's totally supernatural. So, Job 8.31 says, He will fill your mouth with laughing and your lips with rejoicing. Wow, what a statement. He, he's speaking of this God of ours. He will fill your mouth with laughing. He will do it. It isn't because everything's going right, as you perceive right. It is that he, out of his grace and kindness and desire to have you participate in him, he fills your mouth with laughing, your lips with rejoicing. Psalm 4, verse 7 says, You, speaking directly to the Lord, says, You have put gladness in my heart. I didn't get it from out there, out there, because he was nice and she was nice. And No, you, you have put gladness into my heart. Psalm 28, 7, it says, The Lord is my salvation and my shield. That's union for you. The Lord is my strength. So whose is it? It's my strength, but the Lord is my strength. Union, that's who we are. It says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and my mouth is filled with song. So, because of this functional union that we have then our hearts are filled with this supernatural joy fills us fills us this is this is how it works it's a, it's a life that is in union with god focused upon him receiving his love and perceiving him at work wherever i look so, the Bible speaks throughout that my heart is filled with joy. And gladness of heart w would mean just that inner sense of well-being. That, that sense that you're connected to the meaning and the origin of life itself. I suppose it would have that element of, I am content within it it would be filled with hope and, and hope means expectancy confident expectancy and, and so as you go about your day that shows in your eyes it can flicker around your mouth 
But then there are times when that just, I mean, is the word erupt a good word? It means exalt. It, it means there's an overspill. And that's where all those words that I mentioned, the song, songs of praise to this incredible God, joining with him in his joy. The shout that is mentioned more than once in the Old Testament, and the clapping of the hands, the raising of the hands in sheer joy at who God is, right down to dancing. You have turned my mourning into dancing, says the psalmist. Did you know that the extreme words such as clapping and raising your hands uh, in, in over 50 times in the Psalms, we are called upon to do that. Huh. It's amazing, isn't it? Let, let me say this. Wherever you find humans, uh, and I, I don't mean down the street, I mean, and I, I've seen most of the world, and I've seen it, I mean, off the tourist trails, out in the villages, and sometimes out beyond the villages and and you come upon people that are so far removed from our civilization that um, that the idea that you know we are equal humans sometimes it doesn't look like it until you think for a minute but you know everything that is in common whether you are with one half of the world or the other half which lives so differently and yet the common denominator is music yes every kind of music you can imagine but we join together in music and song some of the most beautiful haunting sounds I've ever heard is as I've trekked through the jungles and, and a tribe that may be a mile away, but they've heard we're coming and, and they come out to, and they come singing, singing with that uniqueness of the tribe. Never forget it. Hear that sound through the trees. You know you've come upon humans. There's music, there's song. Stay around a while and they'll be dancing, wherein the whole village joins in dancing. Well, I find that fascinating. And have you noticed when you go to the doctor, if he's worth anything, he will sooner or later ask you the condition of your mental and emotional life. Have you noticed that? You know, you, you've got this disease or whatever, and he begins to say, are you under any stress? Hmm, what stress? Stress is I've lost my peace and I've lost my happiness. That's interesting. If he's a really good doctor, he will investigate. Is there anybody that you need to forgive? Anybody you're angry with? Well, what's happening here? He is saying that the pulsating health of the human body is love and joy and peace and lose love and lose joy and lose peace and you'll probably be sick. 
Isn't that fascinating? Could it possibly be that our original blueprint intended for us to be persons of everlasting joy and the peace of God that passes human understanding and this love which gives itself away? Back to the tribal people, they're aware of the difference between happiness and joy and and sometimes you know when I would speak in such tribal places I would sit down during the afternoon before I spoke and go over what I was going to say with my interpreter because sometimes <laughs> what I'm saying will not be interpreted we, it just, there's no words for it and so we've got to find another way and joy was one of those things that yeah, we, we're aware there's something else, but we don't know how to say it. And, and it came up finally that joy could be translated as the dance inside my heart. I like that. It's, it's not what's happening out here. It's something inside me. It's a dance inside my heart. And it was sin that took that away. The great lie that you do not derive your life from the loving God. You, you do not take, participate in his life that it shall be your life. Rather, you shall be independent and find life within yourself and within your nerve endings within all the feelings and within your five sense perception and it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and so you will say that's good and because it's good it makes me feel good and unhappy and that's evil and because it's evil I don't like it I wish it would unhappen and so we go the trouble is of course <laughs> what you say is good uh, other people might say is evil and you get chaos because who knows what is good you've disconnected from the only good God and so having lost joy or religion which was the first expression of sin religion invented a God who would go with it and that original invention of God is still with us today any depiction of God by religion is a frowning irritated pissed off deity the best he's sad at worst he doesn't like you almost all will say he's displeased with you and certainly there's no joy. Have you ever seen a religious picture of God where he's laughing? Have you ever seen any idea of God whose laugh rolls through the galaxies, fills the crannies of our universe with his joy? No, no. God's depicted as remote, stern, probably angry disconnected and our laughter is looked upon as beneath him 
and of course beneath the religious leaders who portray him religion is a very unhappy affair no one comes out of religious churches or centers with a happy face you notice it I once did a private <laughs> tall uh, asking waiters and waitresses about their, their most favorite people and those that they couldn't stand. And I tell you, from California to New York, as I traveled and asked the waiters that question, there was one answer every time, that the most difficult people to wait upon were the church people on Sunday. They said they're always in a bad mood, they're always complaining, and they never leave a tip. That was across the board. Why? Because that's the God they worship. That miserable being. There's no joy. Let the joy of the Lord possess you. And you tip generously just as a celebration to the God who blessed you. You smile. You, you help. You're kind. You're gentle. It's all part of joy. And the wonder is God did not leave us in our sin of independence he loved us too much he didn't blink his joy never ceased toward us he will restore us that's the message right there from the book of Genesis and that restoration comes to us in Jesus have you ever thought of this the very first the very first indication of what's happening in the coming of Jesus was the Virgin Mary is now pregnant with Jesus through the act of the Holy Spirit. And she goes to her aunt Elizabeth, who also, though of great age, is miraculously pregnant with John the Baptist, remember? And when the Virgin Mary walks into the house, Elizabeth reported that the baby in her womb leaped for joy. Communication between babes in the womb. And at the very presence, that's all it took, the presence of Jesus in the womb of the Virgin and John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth leaped for joy. He wasn't just kicking. She, she knew this was utterly other and reported it. He leaped for joy. And when Jesus was born, the angels sang throughout the universe and spoke the words we bring news, good news of a great joy is for all people into a world of sad into a world of happy and unhappy into a world of despair and hopeless came this supernatural this other joy God became one of us entered into our humanity and in that humanity he lived out a life of joy and now 
in John chapter 15, that Jesus who is about to carry one human race to death and recreate a new creation. He talks about joy. See, you've you've got to get beyond being obsessed with sin. I, 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 I in no way deny sin, but I, I have to tell you, have you heard the gospel? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He who became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Why do you keep talking about and preaching about that which God says is done, it's over? Let's get on to why it's over. Now we can move on. And where do we move on? It would appear that right there front and center is that the Holy Spirit of Jesus the ascended Lord can live inside of you and you will have the joy of God while you live in the midst of this dark dismal sad broken world Jesus said he is the vine you are the branches there's a statement right there for he was saying that he God has become so one of us that he calls himself the vine and us the branches well what's the difference you try and separate we're, we're vine and branches he's become utterly one with us he has joined us and he says all that we the holy three are we give to you we don't. Christian life is not trying to be like Jesus. Christian life is not the religious anxiety of saying, what would Jesus do? Christian life is the realization He, through the Holy Spirit, now lives in me. I'm not trying to be like Him. He's being Himself. And faith says, Amen. And, and, and so, even as the Father and the Son dwell inside of each other without displacing each other and the life of the one is the life of the other so now Jesus lives inside of us through the Spirit and he doesn't displace me I don't become him he doesn't become me and yet for me to live is Christ and facing life it's never what shall I do it is always what are you doing what is that facet of your glory and your love that I need in this moment? Yeah. You see, this is the grace of God. Now, now let me say this. I suppose I should have said this a long time ago. Um, but the word in the Greek language for grace comes from the Greek word for joy. Now, isn't that fascinating? The Greek word translated in our Bibles as grace comes from, is part of another word, which is the word for joy. The grace of God is the joy of God. The grace of God 
is is the very presence of the Holy Spirit giving to you enlightenment, giving to you seeing with inner eyes so you, you're not taken up with simply what's happening around you. You don't see through your five senses. You see through the eyes of your heart that God is in this place. The Lord is in this place. And half the people know it not. He's here. What are you doing? What's up, Lord? What wonder of your person are you manifesting here? What are you giving to me so I can face this situation? What do you want to me? You see, I live, yet not I. It's Christ who lives in me. And therein is the joy, the empowering within us, deep, quietly within us, the powering presence of the love of God and the joy of God enables me, strengthens me. And that's grace, you see, it's grace. It's all gift, it's all gift. You can't earn it, can't deserve it. You can fast and pray for 10, 40-day periods and still be hungry at the end of it, and that's it. No, grace is... I, I've never gotten over it. There's something inside of me that says, surely I've got to pay for something. But it's grace. God is giving. He has given us Jesus And with Jesus comes the Holy Spirit who came upon him at the River Jordan. And that same Holy Spirit who came upon Jesus now has come upon us to include us into his life, his strength. To be energized by his presence and his joy. And so we are enabled to be all that we need to be in any given moment. You know, it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, we sorrow not as others who have no hope. That's really true in the light of what I've just said. You see, as I have said, joy has nothing to do with outer events. That doesn't mean to say we become hard and calloused and nothing affects us, no. No, it says, we sorrow. Big, we do sorrow, yes. Christians weep. Christians are sorrowful. But not as others who have no hope. Our sorrow is a weird sorrow because it is real sorrow, but it's undergirded. There is the joy that Jesus Christ is Lord And he's already carrying us and has carried us through. And and therefore, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yes, I feel what's there. But I will fear, that is, I will not be tyrannized by the evil. For you are with me. You're my strength. You're my deepest joy that holds me steady in a time of great sorrow. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But at the same time, you could reverse it. We sorrow not as others which have no hope, but also, we're not happy the same way as those who have no hope. Because you see, this word happy, the, the joy of a picnic 
Yes, I said joy, you see, because Christians can be happy in that external events. In fact, I can have pleasure in external events, but it is totally different to the world because I know the event is not giving to me my pleasure and joy. I have that already. I have it because I'm united with Him. That means I am free. For the first time in my life, I am free to truly enjoy this. Not as something that tyrannizes me and gives it to me and it's going to take it away soon. No, I have the joy. Now I can take genuine pleasure in what is happening without fear of it being taken away comes and it goes but my joy lasts forever and I I hope that makes sense to you no, no event can destroy you because you've got the undergirding joy and in your happiness that is your pleasurable response to what is happening it's, it's enhanced because you came to the situation with joy you didn't hope to get so you, you didn't come sucking joy out of it you came actually to give joy to it and I could say the same about your work you know those, those unbelievers who well they've got nothing do they it, it, work to them is an interruption of anything remotely like their idea of happiness and so they say thank God it's Friday well um, didn't you thank God it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday th oh, you just reserve any any thanks is a day when the week is over because on the weekend is what I call happy and on Monday I'm half drugged out of my mind I can hardly keep my eyes open because of what the weekend has held uh, uh, that's no way to live you know the, per the person who says well you know this, this is a sad time but we'll get through it well that's I mean, uh, brave words but how about the idea that in this sadness we're undergirded by joy or are you waiting till Friday to be happy? You say, no, we, hear me. If that is my mindset somewhere in there that I've been trying to say, it, it means that you go to work, you go to school, you go to this place or that place, and, and you're sort of doing a moonwalk. You're, you're walking, but you're going backwards. You don't want to be there. You'd actually prefer to be sick than be there. You hope the bus will break down. It's... It, you're dragging your feet to get there because you don't want to be there and when you're there you're, you're only half there you're waiting for the moment to go home again what I'm saying is because the joy of God himself is in you and your work is likened in scripture to participating in God's work that he did in the six days of creation which means I bring to my job I bring to my job joy the job doesn't give me joy any more than the job can give me unhappiness because I have joy it is a joy that is in the Holy Spirit of Christ who lives inside of me and I live inside of him 
and therefore I come to this and again it's I need the creativity I, I need to see what you're doing here and discover the factory the office the school is, is filled with the glory of God that I hadn't noticed before and so we become a person with hope we're always seeing through seeing beyond to the God who's here and now and has a purpose and a plan and it says then people will come to you and ask you for a reason for the hope that is within you because they just don't see anything like this anywhere else you don't have to stuff tracks at them you don't have to mug them with the gospel just be this person of quiet joy and hope they'll beat a path to your door who wouldn't if they saw something like that well Jesus said these things I've spoken to you so that your joy my joy might be in you and your joy might be full does that make more sense now I hope it does um but I trust that you have found something in what I've said to at least point you to, to something that is, is beyond anything you had dreamed before of the fullness of this life that is in Christ Jesus. And now the blessing of God who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, His blessing rest upon you his joy fill your heart and fill your mouth with laughter fill your voice with song so I bless you and declare that is the way it is Amen